Good morning, everyone. Welcome into the SEC Morning Report. I am Blaine Gilmer. Thank you so much for tuning in to this channel, this podcast. If you're listening, if you're watching, right here for your daily SEC sports coverage. That's what we provide here at Southeastern 14. Whether it's football, whether it's basketball, whether it's baseball in the spring, it's all right here. This is your home. So go ahead, hit that subscribe button right now. It is absolutely free. Like the video, it helps us out as well. And then be a friend, tell a friend as well. And on Mondays, guys, in the football season, what we do is we react to the week prior and we say what we learned here from the SEC football action that was on the weekend before. So now we're going to go over what we learned from SEC week 12. We got week 13 coming up, got some rivalry games, all this kind of stuff. We'll have previews, predictions, all that coming out. But guys, well, before we get into what we learned, we're going to tell you a little bit, something you can learn, uh, whether it's some trends, some odds, uh, some predictions, wagering news, whatever. You can uh, learn about that with Bet Online, guys, our partner here on the show. Guys, NBA action is off and rolling. That in-season tournament, who knows what it's all about, but it's there, and you can bet on it on the NBA, college basketball. Maui Invitational is about to get kicked up. You can bet on that kind of stuff as well. Obviously, uh, Thanksgiving coming around, turkey, football goes hand in hand. Might as well bet on it while you're at it over there. NFL, college, uh, UFC, and NHL, all of it available for you to bet on, guys, with Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, all the hoops betting action, all the other sports right at your fingertips all the time, guys, whether it's desktop access, whether it's mobile access, Bet Online has you covered. Head on over to betonline.ag today. That's betonline.ag. And remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, where we're going to start off with, as we always do, we go in alphabetical order. And listen, we didn't really learn much from Alabama in terms of their performance against Chattanooga. We learned that, hey, uh, Tommy Reese continues to call this offense in such a way that is uh, conducive to Jalen Milrow being successful in it. Uh, you know, a lot of flood concepts, a lot of uh, cutting the field in half, uh, allowing him to be an athlete, and then they were able to run the football efficiently. Alabama uh, looks poised to take care of business in the in the Iron Bowl, and then they'll have Georgia in a couple of weeks, and that just looks like a titanic matchup. So didn't learn a whole lot about uh, Alabama, but – I think we're going to continue to see, you know, uh, Kendrick Law uh, be a playmaker for him. Um, Jace McClellan run the football. That's their that's their identity. And then and then Jalen Milrow uh, just playing efficient football. It would help them if they'd be able to get uh, Dante Lawson and Jalen Key back on the back end of things on that defense. Um, Dante Lawson at the linebacker position. But you know, we'll see how the the injury news plays out as the week goes forward. Oh, boy. Uh, Arkansas, you know, it looked a little shaky early on against FIU, but they were able to come out, handle handle what they needed to, get the win. And the biggest thing we learned about Arkansas is the athletic, athletic director came out and announced that Sam Pittman is going to return for Arkansas in 2024. He's going to be the head coach going forward, and that is 
you know, you got to feel great for Sam Pittman. He's a guy that that everybody likes over there. Uh, nobody wants to see, you know, him. Nobody wants to see anybody lose their job, but especially Sam Pittman, as good of a person as he is, as much as he has put his heart and soul into that program, as good of a culture fit as he is there for Arkansas. But now, uh, hey, everybody knows you got to come out. You got to get things done next year. They're going to have to, tra- uh, you know, get some people replaced in the in the transfer portal. Um you know, also bring in some some better talent in terms of high school recruiting, things of that nature. That's the that's the nature of the beast in the in the SEC. You got to constantly be bringing people in, and now the pressure will be on. I think everybody knows. Hey, twenty twenty four is going to be put up or shut up time for Sam Pittman and Arkansas. But I'm I'm happy to see uh, a team and a program be willing to have a little bit of patience, um, be willing to realize, hey, Arkansas was this close to having a special year because they lost three of four tough road games uh, by less than a touchdown and were competitive all the way through. Never really quit playing on Sam Pittman. Uh, And you would have thought after that Auburn game where they didn't play their best ball, that could have been, you know, lots of rumors going around that that could have been the nail in the coffin that put Sam Pittman uh, out of the, out of the job there at Arkansas. But Credit to Arkansas for sticking with him and saying, hey, we can get a chance to get this thing turned around. Um, and I think that, you know, they're playing better defensively this year with Travis Williams. So we'll see uh, what if they can get things fixed offensively. You know, Kenny Guyton, uh, I doubt he's going to be able to be the, the OC going forward. We'll see who they bring in. Uh, and that's going to be the key to things. Can they be better on the offensive side? Can they get things turned around on the offensive line? But we – we learned that Sam Pittman will be back. We learned that Auburn is in the first year of the Hugh Freeze era. Yes, uh, we 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 have known that, but it showed up in a ugly way. And guys, look at this. I mean, you know, this happens to every program that's in transition. Even going back to Nick Saban in in 2007 with a loss to ULM. You look at Kirby Smart lost to Vanderbilt and almost lost to Nickel State in his first year. Uh, there at at Georgia, so it takes time to build consistency within a program, and the true measure of greatness is consistency. It's a horrible loss for Auburn going down to when we say the Aggies, we're not talking about Texas A&M, we're talking about the New Mexico State Aggies taking down Auburn at Jordan Hare Stadium. If you were under a rock this weekend and didn't know, thirty-one to ten, it was a convincing victory too. Now. I believe that's the ninth win for that New Mexico State program. So they're a good football team. They're a good football team. However, uh, that can't happen if you're Auburn. You can't get dominated up front the way that they did at times in that game. Uh, weren't able to pass protect. Um, they weren't able to pass. Period. Let's put it. Let's put it that way. Peyton Thorne and that receiving core continue to be just in disarray. Not able to be on the same page. They. They. They you know, have chances to, to make 50-50 plays, uh, go up and get a, get a ball that's contested. They don't. They make – they drop balls, the receivers do. Peyton Thorne overthrows some, underthrows some. I mean, it's a mess when it comes to the, the offense in terms of the passing game. And Auburn is just not a talented roster right now. Hugh Freeze is working hard to fix that. You're going to look uh, see an Auburn team that is going to be very active in the transfer portal, that is going to do a great job recruiting at the high school level, and they're continuing to bring guys in. They flipped a linebacker not too long ago from uh, from Florida with Jamonta Waller. So 
Uh, they've, they've, they've flipped a, a five-star receiver from Alabama. They've flipped a five-star inside linebacker from Georgia. So Hugh Freeze is doing his, his thing there uh, recruiting-wise. But, man, uh, just, just be a little patient if you're Auburn fans because this happens in year one uh, when you're taking over programs. And guess what? The Iron Bowl's coming up. We've got full prediction on that. Crazy stuff happens. It is at Jordan-Hare Stadium. But we learned that, hey, it's early on. And there's going to be some inconsistency and that Auburn doesn't really have the answer right now at the quarterback position or at wide receiver. Uh, but that's that's coming. That's coming for Auburn. So just kind of be patient there if you are a Auburn Tiger fan because that was a rough one. Florida. Uh, Florida, I will say, obviously they lost that game to Missouri, but I will say Florida played with more heart, more physicality, more desire than I ever imagined that they would on the road in Como. They came out, and if Max, uh, excuse me, Max Brown, who's came in, if if Graham Mertz doesn't get hurt in that game, Florida probably wins that game uh, because they played so well uh, in terms of at the lines of scrimmage. Uh, they were able to run the football. Uh, they were able to, you know, convert on different. Uh, different tough third down situations from time to time, and uh, Florida. Listen, when it even when it got down, uh, you know, after after the there was a fumble by Max Brown, then a seventy seven yard touchdown by Theo Weiss right after it, and I think it put put uh, Missouri up nine at that point, put them up two scores. Florida could have packed it in, and they didn't. They came back. They had a chance to go down and, 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 and try to, uh, you know, they took the lead and Missouri had to come back and kick a field goal to win it at the end. So, uh, you know, you got to give this Florida team credit and Billy Napier credit for continuing to fight. Um, the roster is like, just like I said with Auburn. Now there's not as much excuse for Billy Napier because he's in it now. He's in, he's, he's, he's well into year two. He's getting towards year three. They're going to be all the pressure is going to be on next year with a brutal schedule for Florida. Um, but they've got to get more talent in there, and they. But but the the effort was great. They played with tremendous effort, um, and they they lost in a tough place on the road to win in in Como, and and lost in heartbreaking fashion. So they have now without Graham Mertz, they're also facing a Florida State team this weekend to try to get their bowl eligibility. An undefeated Florida State team, but Florida State doesn't have Jordan Travis after that gruesome leg injury that he suffered. So. It is going to be a little bit different there, but uh, you know, I just got to give a tip of the cap to Florida for continuing to play hard because uh, I thought they would, you know, fold like a cheap lawn chair this past week and and just get blown blown out. Um, but they they fought and they 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 honestly probably should have won that ball game against Missouri. Georgia, the Georgia Bulldogs. What can you say? Twenty eight straight wins. They dominate opponents. Um, they just they just. It's not like uh, you're just getting punched in the face by a knockout puncher over and over again. It's not just haymakers. It's like uh, somebody that just – it's more like a submission artist in, in you know, MMA. They're going to grapple with you. Uh, they're going to, to get in position. They're going to kind of bait you in. Then all of a sudden, you can't breathe. You're tapped out, and it's, it's over with. You, they've, they've, they've just – rendered you unconscious. That's how Georgia goes about taking down opponents. It's surgical. I said this team isn't – yeah, they, they're dominant in terms of being able to 
to win the ball games and, and to take over games, but they're more surgical. It's like death by a thousand cuts. You don't know where to stop this offense. Carson Beck and this offense are converting basically almost 57% of their third downs. It's unreal what they're able to do in terms of being efficient on offense. Uh, Dylan Bell steps up and has a monstrous game against Tennessee, throwing a touchdown, catching a touchdown, having another unbelievable catch on a on a, a back shoulder ball, a 50-50 ball, big kick return. I mean, Dylan Bell went nuts in this game for Georgia, and that's just another weapon out there, a guy who's a sophomore that now, okay, that's happened. Now Carson Beck has that in his that arrow in his quiver to take out and and you know hit the target with, so to speak. Brock Bowers playing well. Lad McConkey had a little bit of an ankle thing, but we know what Lad is able to do. He should be healthy going forward. And my goodness, I mean, Marcus Rosemey Jackson continues to produce. Uh, Oscar Delp doing some good things, and those running backs, Kendall Milton and Dejon Edwards are hitting their stride, especially Kendall Milton starting to run really, really hard and run just run through people um, in this stretch run here, and that's big for Georgia to have a physical back that can be able to do that. The offensive line should win the Joe Moore Award. Carson Beck should be in New York as a Heisman Trophy finalist. Um, that's just how it should go here for Georgia. That's how well all these guys are playing. Special teams continue to be special. Peyton Woodring hit a 42-yard field goal after they responded to the one play that Tennessee did have success with with a 75-yard touchdown run. And then Brett Thorson continued when he does punt. He continues to boom it over there for Georgia. So, listen, I think Georgia's a complete team. I think Georgia's getting better and better, and that's the scary part for college football Right now, Kirby's having fun coaching this team. He enjoys being around these players. He enjoys the way they go about business. And I truly believe he he has some young guys that are now starting to step up and get even better. When you're talking about C.J. Allen, we're talking about Raylan Wilson, we're talking about Damon Wilson on the outside. Uh, Lots of guys that I think can produce uh, and can help this Georgia team win this year as they go into the, the SEC championship and playoff run. Georgia playing really good on both sides of the football in that secondary. Guys, Tyke Smith, Malachi Starks playing tremendously well on the back end. Javon Bullard, uh, I think, took a rough angle on that on that run play that, that Tennessee busted, but overall, Bullard brings a lot of juice, brings a lot of energy. Kentucky, uh, Devin Leary and that offense just continue to be erratic. Uh, they're not able to, um, you know, be – consistent enough and produce enough especially on third down things like that uh they they get behind the behind the chains at different times running the ball is not as consistent as it needs to be and it just doesn't look like that Liam Cohen offense from you know two years ago when Will Levis and Wando Robinson were doing doing their thing which I thought it would look more like that this year with Dane Key uh with Tavion Robinson with Baron Brown, those receivers have regressed, in my opinion. They've taken a step backwards, so not a not a great deal for Kentucky there. Uh, losing to, to South Carolina and a lot of the the hopes and dreams they had uh, are just dashed. And my question is: Is this a, a stale message? Is this a program that has hit a a plateau with Mark Stoops being there? He's the winningest coach all time at Kentucky. My question is: Does he need to move on? Does he need to get uh, a a fresh perspective get more excited we had him with the nil talks earlier this year complaining about things you know uh talking about how good of players georgia has versus they have things of things of that nature um 
is it time for Mark Stoops to, who I think is a really, really good coach, but sometimes, you know, you look at what Mark Richt had at Georgia, and I made this comparison on a reaction show. Sometimes you can be really, really good, and you can get a program to a certain level, and it just stalls out on you. And I don't know that Kentucky is able to take the next level or what that next level is for Kentucky, but they have certainly fallen short of expectations this year. And I think that's unfortunate because I think there was a lot of untapped potential out of this Kentucky team. LSU, uh, you know, this is all about the Jaden Daniels Heisman Trophy, um, (laughs) Heisman Trophy, you know, race at this point, Uh, uh, an opportunity for him to pad his stats. They, they struggled early. Uh, it, it was it was 14 14 there for a little while but then LSU turned on the turned on the nitrous and goes out there and just uh, blows the doors off of uh, Georgia State um, in Baton Rouge I think uh, you know the, the the offense for LSU is just so dynamic hard to stop it's gonna be interesting against a good Texas A&M defense coming in there this week and really the the opportunity for Jane is to put his stamp on that Heisman trophy and see uh, if he's able to just impress people in such a way um, and put up the video game type numbers that he is that that it gets voters attentions despite the three losses that LSU has so and can that defense guys continue to 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 improve and step up it's going to be interesting to see there Mississippi State uh you know just good to see Will Rogers be able to play I mean uh you know it's a totally different program Zach Arnett of course is gone now um I, I saw I saw pregame that the interim coach there going through the locker room in a four-wheeler trying to lead guys through there, getting them pumped up, excited. Well, it worked. Jet Johnson had a big play, uh, you know, where he where he intercepted it and then laterals to a teammate. He runs it into the end zone. So Mississippi State had some fun. I saw some life, some energy to that program, and I think that's something that's been missing this year. Zach Arnett, I think, was probably very, very tight first-year head coach, and I just didn't see a whole lot of fun, a whole lot of excitement out of that program. Saw some fun, saw some excitement, and that's important, guys. You got to enjoy the game, enjoy the people you're around, because um, that's at the end of the day, we're all human beings, and there's got to be that connection, that uh, that that enjoyment piece if you're going to have success. You see that out of the 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 really big teams that that do a great job. You see a, almost a, a, a brotherhood and excitement, a, a you know, being happy for each other's success. And I think with Will Rogers and Woody Marks coming back, that gave a lot of life to this Mississippi State team. Now we'll see if they can uh, keep that momentum going into the Egg Bowl. Um, there'll be a be an underdog there for sure, but we'll see on Thanksgiving. Give us something to watch, some college football, some SEC football, Egg Bowl action coming up. Uh, Missouri, um, I thought that at different times uh, – during that game, they actually got whipped a little bit up front, and that's surprising because hey, they've been they've been kind of taking it to people, offensive line, defensive line. Um, you know, it was it was not a terrible performance in any way or fashion. It just wasn't as dominant as I think Missouri has grown to expect from themselves um, this year. Uh, I, I think you know Cody Schrader continues to do a good job. Uh, Brady Cook was okay. Uh, I think 14-24, you know, uh, at one point during during the game, right before that last drive, I was looking up stats live as it, it was going on during the game. And, you know, he was he was okay. He was efficient, uh, but, it, you know, it wasn't as efficient as he wanted to be. Uh, Luther Burden, special, he does great things. Mevis with a huge kick. But the point is, good teams find ways to win games when they don't have their best performance, and that's what they were able to do 
at Missouri uh, against a Florida team that brought the noise, um, you know, and they they really uh, they really competed uh, against against Missouri, and I think you got to give Florida credit for that. But like I said, when you can take a team's best punch, not play your best, and still win the game, I think that shows a culture uh, improvement, a culture win there for. Eli Drinkwitz and company. Now they have an opportunity to win 10 games, go 10 and two, which will be unreal there. Unreal for Missouri. A great, great season for them with Arkansas coming in. Ole Miss uh, mentioned the Egg Bowl er- earlier. Um, you know, they get a win over a cupcake and uh, they just get to keep moving on. It wasn't the the fastest of starts, but hey, they, they end up winning. They end up creating the separation they need to. And really the biggest thing we learned about them this week is Jackson Dart is coming back. Jackson Dart's coming back for another year now. How that works out with Walker Howard, who knows? But Jackson Dart is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC next year. And, you know, when you're talking about a a offense with Quinshaw Judkins uh, coming back because he'll be only a, a junior, he's not eligible for the draft yet, you're going to be you're going to be talking about an experienced and dynamic offense in 2024, but um, all that aside, they have to get better on the defensive side of the ball. They you know, did some good things in this game. They were able to be more athletic, more aggressive than their opponent. However, when you're talking about in the Egg Bowl here, uh, you know, Will Rogers is going to play inspired, inspired ball. Woody Marks is going to play inspired ball. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see how, how things go there from a Lane Kiffin team maturity-wise, things like that. I want to see Jackson Dart stay, take that next level and just be – be consistent, be able to, you know, raise the level of play everyone around him and do so on Thursday night. But what we learned mainly about Ole Miss is that, hey, they're they're good football team. They've got they've got talent. Uh they've got to work on some things in terms of cleaning things up consistency wise. But you're talking about uh Jackson Dart coming back. That's a big thing to learn this week as they continue to move forward. What we learned about South Carolina. They play their best ball in November under Shane Beamer. I mean, it, they play really, really well. Uh, and, you know, they were able to do just enough offensively against a, a good, you know, Kentucky defense to be able to take advantage of things. Xavier Leggett, uh, Spencer Rattler doing just enough. Once again, Rattler was able to make plays uh, with his legs, and, you know, and, and he just brought some leadership. And that Williams Bryce crowd was crazy as well. And, what we learned is that South Carolina is going to have a, an opportunity to take on Clemson to win a bowl to to win the right to go to a bowl game. They're they're playing for bowl eligibility, playing for fifteen spring practices that, or fifteen more practices, bowl practices that Shane Beamer and company could desperately use to get some of those young guys that they've had to play at different times this year. But there's a difference between forcing them in and saying, "Okay, go play and do this," and then getting quality instruction time and reps to correct some certain things and to be able to to get them more uh, nuanced in the offense and in the defense and things like that, maybe heal some guys up as well. So South Carolina has a big one against Clemson, and we'll see if they can take care of things there. Tennessee, uh, we learned that they are not on the level that they thought they were. Uh, they thought that their program had turned a corner. It has not. Uh, Josh Heupel, I think largely, um, you know, hey, he let's call it what it is. Jeremy Pruitt brought in most of those players that Josh Heupel won with last year. It's going to be incumbent upon Josh Heupel, who is an excellent X and O guy, 
to prove that he is a program builder. Uh, at UCF, he won with what Scott Frost had in place. And then in year three, it started to go down a little bit after he peaked in year two. Same thing here at Tennessee. Can Tennessee prove with Josh Heupel and also change quarterbacks because Joe Milton is not the quarterback you need for that system. He's not the quarterback you need to lead that team. Can Josh Heupel and Tennessee prove that they can build the program into a sustained winner? Okay, because what they put on the field defensively against Georgia, uh, not not able to you know get any kind of pressure, really not able to uh, you know stick with people man to man. You know, just giving a whole lot of just easy over the middle throws for Carson Beck, uh, getting eviscerated nine of thirteen. They allowed third down conversions um, on. I mean, for Georgia, that that's rough. They were two of eleven themselves on third down. Joe Milton has no concept of what he's trying to do in terms of com- just completing passes. Okay, he throws everything 150 miles an hour, no matter if it gets two yards from him or 40 yards from him. It's just uh, you know, just the Parmesan pellet coming in right there at you. I mean, it is just the the cheese coming in. And that's great that you have a strong arm, but my goodness, you got to learn to nuance things and do things at different times. Um, they weren't able to run the football well uh, outside of that that one run of 75 yards. Tennessee had 75 yards on the first first play. They finished with 277 for the game, 202 yards for the rest of the game. I'm I'm just telling you, I, you know, consistently you're looking at at now uh, this. Georgia team versus Heupel's offense, and Heupel's offense has not produced hardly at all against against a Georgia, a Kirby Smart coach team. So, what's it going to take? Uh, is there going to be are there going to be changes? Are they going to get better at the line of scrimmage up front? They had injuries uh, up there throughout the game. They weren't able to to finish the game, you know, strong there. So we'll see what happens with Tennessee in terms of up front, but. I think what Tennessee learned is that they're uh, they're still mid-tier in the SEC. They're not where they need to be. Texas A&M, uh, I, uh, only thing we learned there is that, hey, they were able to take care of business uh, after Jimbo Fisher, um, you know, moved on and uh, was, was let go. Jalen Henderson, I think, uh, you know, provides some excitement as a, you know, sophomore quarterback. He'd done some good things and you know, was throwing the ball up to Moose Mohammed and those receivers around there. Ruben Owens got going a little bit. So other than that, guys, I think, uh, you know, we just – we have to see Texas A&M this week. They got to go on the road to LSU and see do they play uh, with a little bit more desire, a little bit more inspiration because it seemed like at times that team, as talented as they were, even on the defensive side of the ball, looked like they were moving in molasses at times. It's just the style of play was slow. I don't know how much that has to do with Jimbo Fisher, how much that has to do with moving on and going forward, how much it has to do with maybe some injuries that they've sustained throughout the year. But let's see if they can play with overall a little bit more pace and tempo and excitement out there, not necessarily having to snap the ball, you know, quickly on offense i'm just saying look like you have a little bit of life about yourself and you know this will be this will be a big uh game for a lot of those seniors uh, an opportunity to go out there into a, a environment like death valley their last sec game at, at for texas a&m and and try to band together and and win uh, a game on the road which is hard to do in the sec so guys uh we've we've talked about 
all of these teams here and just went through one by one and discussed, hey, you know, what is, uh, you know, what's going to be the deal as the season wraps up? Where does your team feel? Where do you feel like your team is? Uh, you know, leave all that in the comments. We'd love to hear it. But overall, it looks like Georgia and Alabama with that ACC championship coming up a couple of weeks from now, playing the best of anybody. Uh, there's some questions over there when it comes to, you know, teams like uh, like Tennessee, uh, teams like Florida, teams like even uh, even Ole Miss, I think, has to answer some questions here um, after they, they beat the teams they're supposed to beat in large part, but they have slipped up in the Egg Bowl in the past, so we'll see uh, if they're able to take care of business there. Kentucky's got questions. We've got LSU with the Heisman Trophy uh, race there for Jaden Daniels, so a lot to look forward to this upcoming week, but that's what we learned this week, this Monday, as uh, as we go through things over last weekend from SC Week 12, looking forward to Week 13. Like, subscribe, turn on notifications. Remember, we are presented by Bet Online, and we'll catch you guys next time right here to talk more SEC ball here on Southeastern Sports. <laughs>